Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Greetings to everyone joining us for a new episode of the European Hoops Podcast. We cover the EuroLeague and the top FIB events. I am Andre, and with me, our basketball expert, Diogo Valente. Hi Andre, hi guys, hope everything is okay with y'all. We are here for another episode of the European Hoops Podcast. Hopefully you guys stay with us and tune in for the rest of our episodes. Andre, let us know, man, what are we talking about today? On this episode, we bring you our season recap of the EuroLeague. We will go over all of the nine games of the round seven that took place on the previous week. And on the this is a two-part episode. On the first part, we will bring you the first five games of round seven. On the second part, the last four games. And we also will review the standings of the EuroLeague so far. The first game is the game between Olympiacos and Basconia, a very important road win for Basconia, a 75-74 win on a, a very hard, an always very hard court as um, Olympiacos' home court is. For the home team, team Mustafa Fall ended the game as the best player with 10.7 rebounds, 7 assists and 3 block shots, stepping up when uh, Milutinov was able to play only 3 minutes uh, due to injury. And for Basconi, once again, Chima Maneke was the best player, bringing that energy off the bench. And in 27 minutes, he scored 20 points, grabbed four rebounds, dished two assists, and added one still to his personal count. And he was a plus 19 in the, the minutes that he was on the floor. He was truly an impactful player, and he really contributed for for this Basconi win, a very important win for them. And it was in the second quarter, with 30-9 to nine, uh, second quarter, that Basconi really was able to step up and build a 15-point lead heading to the halftime, a lead that they were able to maintain. And despite um, a recovery from Olympiacos in the end, uh, Basconi was able to secure this win, uh, a, a very impressive one. If I had told you that Basconi shot 32.1% from three and Olympiacos shot 41.4% from three, who would you have guessed that uh, won this game? Well, probably Olympiacos, but I mean, there's a lot more <laughs> stats that uh, that were contrary contrary to that one. So, I mean, Basconi was able to put up a, a very good defensive performance, and Olympiacos continued to to show their struggles offensively. So, I guess Basconia uh, would always have a chance if they were able to be consistent defensively. And uh, for Olympiacos, they definitely need help on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, that was a great shot by Cody Miller-McIntyre to, to seal the win. But uh, once again, Basconia dominated the, on the boards. And obviously, Milutinov didn't play uh, help that. But uh, it was still guys like Peters and Fall who are very good rebounders. And Basconia was able to, to dominate again. And they've been doing a great job on the boards this season. I think this is a great road win for them. And I believe Coach Ivanovic will help build that defensive consistency. And I think that's going to be huge for that team. Because offensively, they have talent. And even in games where Marcus Howard can struggle and he is by far their best scorer. But uh, on this game, he had 11, but I think he had like two in the first half, something like that. But uh, they have guys like Moneke stepping up. Sadr Kerskis played very well. So uh, I think they'll be fine. If they can keep that defensive consistency, uh, I think they'll be fine. But Olympiakos definitely need, needs help. And 
especially on the offensive side of the ball, because it's not looking good, man, at all. Yeah, Olympiacos is struggling and they, they just cannot find the consistency to, to across the whole game to, to score. They combined for uh, 23 points in the second and fourth quarters together. And of course, the allowing 30 points to Basconia on the second quarter uh, was what... Um, gave Basconia a shot to, to be on this game and to in the end of the game in a close matchup and we had a few of those in this this round of the early gave Basconia the chance to to be close enough to to go and lock this win I'm liking the impact that Kios is having for this Basconia team he's still uh, gaining rhythm and starting to to find himself within this roster, but I think he will be a very good piece for him. And like you mentioned, Moneke ends this game with 20 points and a plus 19 coming off the bench in 27 minutes. And uh, Selekerskis has been a, a very good player for them in this game again with 12 points and 30 rebounds. Was again proof of that. And uh, despite Milutinov uh, being able to play only three minutes, Fall has been very good for Olympiakos. He, especially in his numbers of assists, he ended this game with 10.7 rebounds and 7 assists. But uh, they just don't have the, the the elite player that will allow them to, to just create advantages for others because they have good players, they have a good team, they still have the, the great ball movement that uh, we saw in the previous season. But uh, even in those situations that uh, you maximize all the pieces that you have, you still need to have uh, those guys that will, will be able to close games for you and it will just be able to to give you a big enough advantage for you to, to win these matchups. And that's what Olympiacos uh, has been missing. And uh, this game, this was a tough loss for them at home against Bosconi, a team that uh, they certainly would want and uh, aim to, to be beating on this type of matchups. But this is zero league and we know how competitive it can be in this game with just a proof of that. This was a very, very important win for Basconia on the road. And um, I wanted uh, to ask you, do you think that um, Basconia is uh, stepping up after the coach change? We see that happening many times, uh, but do you think that that's sustainable? Well, it's hard. I mean, with Coach Penaroya and you guys know I, I loved Coach Penaroya, but uh, he was he was an offensive coach and... That team was very good offensively playing under him because the players fit that style. But what Coach Ivanovic can bring you is defensive consistency. And that was a big problem for Basconia. So offensively, they still have the talent, even though the play style might not be the same. But they still have the talent. They will still score. They will still shoot the three because they have players who are very capable of that. So I believe maybe this team with Coach Ivanovic is more balanced overall. And that probably gives them a better chance to compete in games like this where they are not supposed to win, but it gives them a better chance to compete. And being in those games at the end, they have guys who can make a difference like Marcus Howard and guys like Moneke who can bring the energy and get rebounds on crucial times of the game. So I think they got better and I believe they will be more competitive now. Does that mean that they will be able to make the play-in or that they will be able to win a lot of games against the top teams? Probably not. But I do think they they got more competitive. Next, we have the overtime game between FS and Jalgiris, and it took 45 minutes for FS to be able to secure this 86 to 82 win. 
uh, game where Will Clyburn and uh, Keenan Evans were the best for their teams. Clyburn ended the game with 20 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals in 40 minutes played, while Keenan Evans in the, in 30 minutes was able to score 20 points, grab 2 rebounds, 4 assists, and add 1 steal to his personal count. But that wasn't enough for Jogiris to be able to to win this game and uh, FS was the team that was able to to come out on top and to to domin to to end up with this victory on a, this very very competitive match between these two teams that are fighting for the the play in and the playoff spots on this edition of the Euroleague. What were the keys for this uh, competitive game? Well, first of all, they're just a more talented team, and uh, but they are becoming so frustrating for me to watch them because they have so much talent, but they struggle a lot to play with their best player. And for me, it makes absolutely no sense. Because, And I mean, Will Clavin still put up good numbers because like every time he touched the ball, he was very efficient. But they go so much time and they have so much runs of like two to three minutes where he doesn't touch the ball. They just don't involve him at all. And I believe that's why they lost the lead because they were up like 10 points up in the double digits. And Zalgiris did a great job. They put up a great fight and they were able to force overtime. But uh, I believe this is more a discredit to, to Efesh because they they didn't do their job, in my opinion. Um, Larkin was struggling a lot and they still went to him. Like even the game was tied and there was like 20 seconds left and it was an isolation for Shane Larkin and he was not having a good game at all. And you had Will with 18 and he was being very efficient and they didn't even think about getting him the ball. To me, that's a bit ridiculous. But even though all of that happening, they, they went to overtime and they were able to get the win because, again, they're just a more talented team. And Zalgiris didn't have enough to complete the comeback. But uh, I think FH definitely needs to change the their way of playing because it might be enough to beat a team like Zalgiris. But when you go against teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid and even Fenerbahce uh, from Turkey as well, I think it's going to be very hard for them to win those games because... Will Clarence is a lot of the times just sitting in the corner. And to me, that's just not acceptable. What type of actions do you think that they could be running to get Will more involved? Will ended this game with a plus 10 in 40 minutes with 20 points, 7 rebounds and 2 assists. And while his numbers are good, I do agree with you that he can be more involved. He takes 10 shots on uh, on this game in 40 minutes. And he can have so many advantages that would make sense for them to to maximize him because that will also make the game easier for everybody else involved. Exactly. Which type exactly. of actions and uh, how can they get him more involved and more into the game? Well, first of all, I think they need to use him in the low post because there's not a lot of wings who can who can match with him in terms of size. And I think that would create uh, some doubles, some defensive rotations where guys would be open to hit open shots. And I think that's a start. But uh, I would like to see him handle the ball a little bit more and playing some pick and rolls because he's capable of that. And you don't need Shane Larkin or Darius Thompson to do that every play. And those guys are very capable shooters as well. So Will can also create for them. They're just letting the guards handle the ball. And I don't think that's the right approach when you have a player like Will Clyburn that can basically do it all. So And you saw that like when he touched the ball in the fourth quarter. Like he hit shots, he got to the basket, he got fouled. Like he can really create a, a lot of mismatches. So uh, that's why what I think they should do: put him in the post and let him handle the ball a little bit more. 
Yeah, absolutely. Use him to initiate some actions and uh, to just uh, take advantage of his skill set would be crucial for FS2 to, to find more consistency because that will just make the game way easier for everybody else involved. On Jalgiri's side, we had Keenan Heavens ending the game with a plus 12, but uh, nobody else really playing at uh, the same level. Kavarius Hayes had a good game uh, in this uh, matchup. He was able to, to perform at a good level statistically, but uh, we know that he is not the player that uh, will be able to, to elevate this uh, Jalgiri's team. Roland Schmidt, uh, once again, was able to show up and to perform at a very good level, but... Uh, they really need to go out in the market and to find a replacement to Brasdikis. But uh, I would say that they need an upgrade on Brasdikis because they really need someone with more offensive firepower. Well, ideally, they would get a replacement for Brasdikis. And even if it's not a better player than him, but just somebody who can play that role, and they would get a center. But we know that's probably not what they're thinking. Uh, Maybe if they can get just that replacement, it would be enough for them. But I also think they do need another guy in there, uh, in the paint, to, just a presence on the boards because they are clearly an undersized team. And even though they have a lot of success with those small ball lineups, I mean, there's a lot of teams you can't do that against, like Barcelona, Real Madrid. They, they will punish you. So I think those are the two areas they need to address. Now it's time to look at the 93 to 90 win of Maccabi over Bayern. A very competitive game when, where, once again, Bozzy Colson was able to step up and perform at a very high level. He ended the game as the, the, the game MVP and he had for this game 19 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist in 2 steals. He has been a very positive player for this Maccabi team and once again he was very important of them achieving this uh, important win against Bayern. Bayern that had as best player Serge Ibaka that ended the game with 16 points, shooting perfect 7 of 7 from 2. And he had 9 rebounds and 1 assist. Ibaka is showing that he can be a very impactful player and he's showing that he can take the role as one of the leaders of this Bayern team that we expect to be able to be a, a very competitive team for the, the rest of the season. What caught your eye on this game and uh, what do you think can impact the rest of the season for a team like uh, Maccabi? Well, I think one of the most important things for Maccabi this season is the way Colson is stepping up and being that consistent scorer outside of Lorenzo and now Wade coming back. Uh, but outside of those two guys, they needed somebody to step up and to score at a consistent rate. And I think Bonzi Colson is doing an amazing job to start this season. Um, I think this is obviously a, a, an amazing win for Maccabi. Uh, with Wade back, he already shown how important he is to this team. He was able to help Lorenzo on the playmaking duties. And I think Maccabi did a great job attacking and just getting to the free throw line. And, and that was the biggest difference maker in this game. Um, Bayern shot the ball very well in the first half, but they wasn't able to do that in the second one. And, and I think that's why Maccabi was able to get some separation there, even though the game was always close. And I think that's why Maccabi got the win. If Bayern is able to be more consistent throughout the 40 minutes, uh, and obviously it's going to be hard. They have a very young team. But uh, if they're able to do that, they're going to be very dangerous for everybody. But this was a, a great game. Uh, it could have fallen to, to either team. But Maccabi was just a more consistent team. And in the end, they, they got the win. But it was a very good game. I want to sh quickly shout out Isaac Bong that uh, he heard me and he stepped up for this game. He ended with a plus eight, plus minus in his 33 minutes, but it wasn't enough uh, for Bayern. 
Serge Ibaka, he has been looking uh, good and consistent for this uh, Bayern team. He is being able to contribute at a, at a very high level and even better than I would have expected him to be at uh, the level that he is at. So that, those are positive indica- indicators for Bayern. For me, it's the consistency of their young guards. They they have big games of Carson Edwards. They have big games of, of Balmaro, but not consistently, not always happening. And they always need to go and look for the option that is working the best in uh, any given game. And that's what they are missing to be able to be uh, a top-level team. Since these are young players, I think that uh, the future looks bright for uh, for Bayern. I do Abs- wonder absolutely. if they if they couldn't uh, try to feature a little bit more Wilder Bab as their main guard or one of the main, uh, one of their main guards more often, as I think that he has the ability to to bring some of that consistency, even if I recognize that some of these younger guards have a higher ceiling than he does. I do wonder if uh, that can be a way for them to to go and uh, find some of the consistency that they need. But they are a team that have a very high ceiling and a team that can be competitive against anyone. And uh, for Maccabi, let's uh, talk about uh, Wade Baldwin being back and how did he look like. He looked slightly leaner, uh, probably uh, from being away from the court for a while. But um, he looks like Wade Baldwin, <laughs> I would say. So he was able to draw uh, draw seven falls on this game. He's able to, to be a difference maker, and I think we will see a good ramp up for him, and uh, he will be just at the level that we saw from him before. Yeah, I mean, when you have Lorenzo next to you, it's kind of easy to, to come back <laughs> from an injury. It's very easy because Lorenzo will ease that into you. So... He, he will take care of the ball. And when it's time for you, when you feel comfortable, when it's time for you to get the ball, he will give it to you no problem because he knows that Wade is an elite player and they feed off each other. So it's a perfect situation for them. We have a lot to unpack on this game between uh, Partizan and Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce came into this game with many absences and many important players not being able to contribute. But they had good performances by Tyler Dorsey and Nigel Hayes-Davis that were able to, to perform at a very good level and uh, kept them uh, and that allowed them to to be uh, on this game and to be competitive against uh, Partizan in a very hard court to, to play on. But uh, for Partizan, uh, we had Nunali playing again at a very high level and being one of the top players for this team. But we also saw Frank Kaminsky being able to impact the game more than on his initial games. And we start seeing a bit all over EuroLeague, these players starting to find their rhythm and finding ways to be impactful players and to play at the level that that we think that uh, they can be playing. This was a, a very important win for Partizan. There is no doubt about that uh, against another contender. And um, this is a level that we think that Partizan can uh, can play at. We know that absences are always important, but at the EuroLeague level, it's about deep rosters and uh, rotations. And uh, usually a team don't, don't lose or win a game just because they had some absences, even if they were high-level ones, as Fenerbahce did. What main notes do you take from uh, this important game between Partizan and Fenerbahce? Well, first of all, we, we had a lot of correct predictions about this game because <laughs> we we said that Nigel Hayes-Davis uh, was one of Kawhi or Paul George and he looked like it, but uh, his <laughs> partner in crime, Deshaun Pierre, wasn't available, so he, he didn't have that help. 
And then we said Tyler Dorsey would be James Harden. And it kind of looked that, like that as well. <laughs> and they lost the game, just like the Clippers are losing. So it all makes sense. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, for partisan, <laughs> for partisan uh, you did say that if they were able to, to have this be a, a high-scoring game, that they would be able to, to get the win. Uh, obviously, in a close game and without plunder, that would be hard, but they were able to, to step up. Uh, I think it was an all-around effort for them because you had 11 players score the ball. Like you said, Kaminsky stepping up, and he has been playing at a very good level the past few games, and he's showing a level of consistency, especially scoring the ball, that I think Partizan definitely needs. And Nunnally keeps playing at a a very high level for them. Um, For Fenerbahce, they had a a great first half, but uh, I believe they might have ran out of gas in the second one due to all of those injuries that came into this game with. Um, Nigel Hayes-Davis, had a, the offensive game that we were expecting, considering what we did, what he did last season, and the fact that he wasn't able to to get that production offensively this season, like a game like this, it was due to happen. So uh, hopefully he can keep this up. But regardless of anything, this is a, a great win for Partizan. I, I think they definitely needed this one, especially playing at home against uh, another team that's considered a contender. And with all the drama that happened with Yamadar in the off season. I think this is definitely a game that they wanted to win. That crowd was amazing, and it's a very important win for Partizan, for sure. For Partizan, another note was Tristan Vuksevic that uh, in seven minutes was able to score eight points. He's looking leaner, smoother, and um, I think he can. he's starting to show that he can become the player that uh, he was uh, drafted at at the NBA level. We know how good of a shooter he is. He has been lacking the ability to impact the game in other aspects of the game. And uh, we saw some flashes on this game that were promising. Let's see if Partizan is able to once again find another player that uh, will be able to contribute. And uh, Danilo Wadzukic was another player that uh, also gave them very good minutes. And at moments, he was the guard that the Partizan was needing. Again, and like we spoke before about Avramovic, we probably cannot expect him to, to become that player. But the ability of finding these good minutes across the, the roster is certainly very important for this uh, Partizan team. I have just one question for you. Uh, are you impressed with uh, Coach Itudis? Uh, because we see big step forward since last season where uh, he's clearly finding ways to load manage Nigel Hes-Davis and he didn't play him for 40 minutes. He just used him for 39 and 58 seconds. Are you impressed? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, <laughs> that is a, a interesting question. I mean, of course, I, I believe it was because of the injuries. Uh, otherwise, he probably would have just played thirty-eight fifty or something like that. Uh, no, but he he played the, a very good game. So, and obviously because of the injuries, in all seriousness, uh, I believe he needed uh, his two-way ability to to provide consistency to this team. And obviously, he didn't have the rotation to 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 be able to sit him. So, I mean, I understand it, uh, especially in a game like this. I think it's understandable. But uh, hopefully, we don't have to see this. Uh, in a lot of games because even though we all love to see him play um, he needs to to take some rest because otherwise in the playoffs like last season he will be completely exhausted and guarding the best players on the other teams it will be very hard on him so obviously they need uh, guys to get healthy so that he can play his regular rotations and not overuse his main guys 
Yeah, it, it's just a show of how important he is for this team. Yeah, and also of something that you mentioned, that they just run out of gas in the end. And one you need to, to give such a big load to, to your best players, that will happen, especially at the early level that the game is so intense and so physical. It's hard for someone to be able to play 40 minutes or almost uh, all the 40 minutes and be able to contribute and impact the game at the level that the team needs him to do. We know that Nigel is uh, <laughs> is a physical specimen and he's always willing to, to play and give everything that he has and whatever his team needs. So that's not a problem on that front, but um, it, uh, it's part of the reason why they fell short in the end. And uh, it was because of need, but uh, certainly with a full roster, Fenerbahce will be able to do even better and even more. And I think this was a game between two teams that will be contending when we, when we get to the later stages of the season. I was wrong. Uh, I was very wrong. I said that uh, Childs and Mirotic will combine for 50 points, and that was about all the points that Valencia allows teams to score. And uh, they didn't. Childs had a, a poor game, and he ended the game with uh, zero points. But Milano was able to, was in a team effort, to score 83 points against Valencia, and Valencia wasn't able to take care of the ball and with 19 turnovers. They weren't able to compete with this uh, Milano team that we said it on the preview. It's They were just the most talented team and we expected them to be able to impose themselves uh, against this Valencia team, but not by a 31 points margin with this 83 to 52 win. But it wasn't surprising to see Milan winning this game and Valencia ending up falling short on this, uh, this matchup. They were missing Chris Jones. That's a, a big absence for them. He's a big part of what they do offensively, and it showed with them being able to score just 52 points. But uh, to start your breakdown of this game, I have a question for you and a very serious question for you, and then we can give context in case someone missed it. Would you allow um, Pangus to drive your car? Well, at this stage, probably not. Uh, I mean, to be the, <laughs> the main point guard, probably not. Uh, I've seen him play at an incredible level uh, in years before, uh, but the way he's been able to, to play this season, I would definitely not have him as my main point guard. And it's not like he lacks weapons around him because obviously he has Siobhan Shields, Mirotic, and all of that, all of those options in the front court. So he has a lot of stuff to work with, but he just hasn't been able to, to produce at a high level. So yeah, probably not. Coach Ettore Messina, declarations regarding Pangos that he is not the driver, the right driver for their car and for Milano's offense. So they seem to be in the market looking for another player. They probably have some regrets of not being able to have kept Napier. That certainly will be a player that will help them uh, a lot and considerably after what we saw on the, the last season. But this was a very important win for Milano. What were the, the key factors for them to be able to achieve it? Well, we talked about this uh, on the preview. Uh, they just had more capabilities to score than Valencia. And that was the, the biggest difference here. Uh, two very good defensive teams, but one clearly had the advantage offensively with guys like Mirotic and Siobhan Shields, even though Shields didn't score a single point. But uh, Mirotic was, was dominant. And Valencia, they had no answer. I mean, you clearly felt the absence of Chris Jones. They just had a lot of turnovers and they were they wasn't able to be effective on the offensive end. And obviously, with Chris Jones, um, a lot of stuff would be more facilitated. 
and he would do a, a very good job putting everybody in the right place. So when you miss your best player, <clears throat> so when you miss your best player, you're clearly going to feel it in the score. And I didn't expect it to be a 30-point game, but I guess Milan was on one type of night uh, defensively and Valencia couldn't, couldn't do anything without their best player available. Very well. And with this dominant win by Milano, we reach the end of this part one of our, of our week recap of the EuroLeague. Tune in tomorrow for the, the part two. The, as we are heading into a doubleheader week, we are bringing you the, the episode slightly earlier instead of our usual uh, Sunday evening, Monday evening, Tuesday evening and Wednesday evening to release the episodes. We are bringing them on the Saturday, Sunday, Monday and uh, on uh, Wednesday. So you guys have time to listen to all of the episodes, the recaps of the previous week, and then the previews of both uh, hands of the doubleheader week that we will be having ahead and a lot of basketball that we will then be recapping and going back to our normal schedule. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on all of the episodes we will be releasing. And also follow us on Twitter at Itos EuroLeague, where we always announce every time we release a new episode. As always, I'll be talking with you guys soon. Bye, guys. See you on the next episode.